Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Fillion, and welcome to Unscripted. Today, it's that time of the year. The high-level UN General Assembly is here again and many world leaders will be present, unlike last year when the annual event was held virtually. This is your guide to know what and who to watch at UNGA 76. On this episode, Tijani Muhammad Bande, the 74th president of the General Assembly and now Nigeria's ambassador to the UN, shares what to expect. We also spoke with Estonia's foreign minister, Eva Maria Lemetz. This is Unscripted, a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them. In many ways, New York City is back. Public schools and city employees have returned to school and work in person. And the city's globally watched events are returning too. The U.S. Open, Fashion Week, the Met Gala, and now the most fabulous show in town. The United Nations General Assembly is back in a hybrid format. And since UNGA, as it's called, took place remotely last year because of the COVID-19 pandemic, this year's format has been carefully crafted by the UN and much anticipated. Many heads of state and government are heading to New York City to deliver their speeches on their vision of the world from their country's point of view, setting the tone for the year to come in diplomacy. Tijani Muhammad Bande was president of the 74th session of the General Assembly when the COVID-19 pandemic first hit New York in early 2020. He and his staff had to reorganize the General Assembly to work remotely. Then, the 75th president, Turkey's Volkan Boskir, continued that process. And now, Maldives' Abdullah Saheed, the current and 76th president, will oversee the first partially in-person UNGA since the pandemic began. We asked Mohamed Bande, now Nigeria's ambassador to the UN, what he expects at UNGA this year. The desire is to have an improvement over what we had last year. Last year, we had a hybrid which allowed one person per delegation in the hall. And the improvement in terms of vaccinations has been clear in the position now. We are having more than one 
person per delegation in the hall itself. The desire is not to have fully hybrid or not to have fully in-person, but of an improved version of what we had last year, which is what is unfolding as I understand it from my standpoint as, as a member of the assembly, not as president. So this year, the UN has decided that only four delegates, including the head of state or government, can attend the debate in person in the assembly hall. Here's UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres on this year's general debate. He spoke to the press on September 10th. I hope that uh, with the support of technology, we will be able to minimize the negative dimension of a General Assembly that is not done in full presence of full delegations from all over the world. This is what I believe makes sense. This is what I believe is the best way to serve diplomacy, the best way to create contacts, to forge forms of dialogue. Uh, The presence of everybody here together during a meaningful period is a very important instrument that nothing can replace. Having said so, it is obvious that with the technology that is available, the possibility of different forms of hybrid interactions and others through only virtual means will allow the General Assembly to discuss effectively a number of important issues and I hope will allow us to make progress in relation to the dramatic challenges that we face and I spoke when presenting our report on Common Agenda. So this is not the best solution, we will be trying to make it a second best, mobilizing all our resources to allow for a maximum of interaction among member states. So the mix between digital diplomacy and an in-person format will be important to watch. The UN has set up so-called bilateral booths for officials who want to meet inside the UN's headquarters. Of course, they can also meet in their respective missions. Here's Volkan Boskir on this. It looks like there will be uh, 83 heads of state in person who has applied to be here. Uh, pre-recorded statements of heads of state looks like 26 as of now. One vice president in person and 55 heads of government, 43 in person, and 12 pre-recorded has registered themselves. Deputy prime ministers, three in person. Foreign ministers, 23 in person. And so we have a lot of leaders who have the intention to come here. Of course, we also limited the number of people who will come into the building because the accompanying delegations uh, are larger than the expectations from time to time. So there will be only one plus six altogether entering the headquarters and masks will be worn. And uh, I don't think at the same time there will be 600 people in the General Assembly because uh, there will be bilateral contacts, uh, delegates will accompany their leaders. And in the General Assembly all there will be uh, from most of the time the number we see uh, in ordinary meetings. So one issue was the Secretariat was not preferring to have bilateral meetings in the headquarters. But their preference was that the delegations do it uh, in their own delegations. But some delegations don't have space to do that. So I also insisted that bilateral meetings should be made available in the headquarters and they're organizing for that. 
In August, the U.S. mission to the U.N. sent a letter to its fellow member states asking them that all side meetings be held virtually and to keep their teams traveling to New York as small as possible. They even asked that countries strongly consider sending a pre-recorded video to avoid ONGA becoming, and I quote, a super spreader event. Some delegations listen, but the reality is that some presidents or prime ministers travel with big teams, and they just can cut them down to smaller numbers. For some countries, it's dozens of people. So for UN missions, that will mean a lot of people to entertain outside the UN, given the restrictions on how many delegates can be inside headquarters at once. Here's Estonian Foreign Minister Eva Maria Lemetz on how Estonia is approaching UNGA this year. She spoke with us in August when she was traveling to New York City for a Security Council meeting. I think that we are using uh, the uh, for bilaterals. We uh, can use uh, hotels, or of course we mm-hmm. can use our offices. Um, and uh, of course we need to brainstorm where to organize the uh, side events. But um, I would say that uh, here in uh, New York there are many appropriate facilities. Uh, there are very big missions like. Uh, Uh, bigger, much bigger than our. There are national houses like Bohemia House uh, of the Czech Republic, etc. There are places mm-hmm. where uh, it's possible to uh, organize events and get people together and, and speak on these important uh, topics uh, which are of importance of international community and in the agenda of the United Nations. The question of whether to require vaccination or not has been debated until the very last minute. Initially, the UN was not going to require a vaccine, only testing. But New York City just announced that the UN must comply with its requirements for convention centers. That means visiting officials must show proof of vaccination to enter UN headquarters, and that only a few days before the high-level week. The decision has infuriated the Russian mission and has likely complicated other countries' plans as well. Delegates can't do anything in New York City right now if they're not vaccinated. Before the pandemic, it was common for visiting diplomats and heads of state to make the most of New York City's restaurant scene. New York City is even offering vaccinations to any delegate who wants it. Here's Tajani Muhammad Bande on this. He spoke to us in late August. My own personal view, and this totally personal, is that I would imagine most of those, maybe all of those who will interact with the process of the general debate will have had their vaccinations. We are dealing with a very responsible group of people around the world coming. But nonetheless, the advice is to continue to state what the circumstance is for the rules of the UN, as well as the city itself. We'll take a short break, but stay tuned. After, we'll go through who is expected to come to New York this year and who their headlines are. Are you searching for a meaningful way to further your career in international development? Is it your dream to tackle some of the world's most pressing challenges? Consider Seton Hall University's Executive Graduate Programs in International Affairs. 
attend a webinar to find out how you can specialize in up to 13 research areas, including conflict management, international law and human rights, foreign policy analysis, and more. As a graduate candidate, you'll have the benefit of one-on-one faculty mentorship, career workshops, international seminars, and discussions with global leaders on campus at the UN headquarters in New York and in Washington, D.C. The program is flexible. It can be taken full-time or part-time, online or at the New Jersey campus just 14 miles from New York City. To learn more or sign up for a graduate program's webinar, click the link in our episode description. So the biggest question now is, who's coming? Stephanie, what were you able to confirm? We know that President Joe Biden of the United States is coming. This will be his first ANGA as president. Biden has summarized his foreign policy in three words. America is back. And he'll start by bringing the U.S. back to the U.N. podium. He'll speak in person on September 21st, second after Brazil. But it's a tough time for American foreign policy with the recent chaotic evacuation of Afghanistan. So the content of his speech is something to watch for. What are some of the other speeches you'll be watching? Well, there is one leader whose speech tends to grab our attention, and it's Boris Johnson. And he's also coming to prepare for the COP26 conference on climate change that will take place in Glasgow, Scotland, in November. Boris Johnson will definitely be one to watch. In 2019, he gave a speech about the future of the digital age. At the time, it seemed dystopian, but in hindsight, since the pandemic, not so much. What about France's Emmanuel Macron? While many European diplomats expected him to come, France's ambassador to the UN told us President Macron will send a pre-recorded video message. It's a surprise. Macron is beginning his re-election campaign, so he could use the international spotlight. And what about the other P5 members of the Security Council, China and Russia? Will Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin be attending? Well, the short answer is no. Neither China nor Russia will be represented at the highest level. China is sending its deputy prime minister, and Russia its foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, as Putin generally makes a trip for big anniversaries at the UN, like the 70th anniversary in 2015. Lavrov is well-versed in UN affairs anyway, as he used to be Russia's ambassador here. Stephanie, what about the other big world powers besides the P5? India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi should come, but won't have to face his contentious neighbor, Pakistan's Prime Minister Imran Khan, who is sending a pre-recorded video. Turkey's Recep Tayyip Erdogan is definitely coming, as the mission will host a ribbon-cutting ceremony for its recently renovated mission, just across the street from the UN. But there's one small wrinkle. The mission is actually not finished yet, And employees are rushing to move back in before Anga to welcome President Erdogan. He is scheduled to speak on September 21st as well, so maybe you will run into Biden. Now, if we go region by region, what should we expect from Latin America? Brazil traditionally speaks first at Anga. And while the latest provisional speaker list says President Jair Bolsonaro will attend in person, we were unable to independently confirm. 
We could also witness the first international appearance of Peru's recently elected left-wing president José Pedro Castillo, scheduled to speak on the first day. Mexico's president, Andrés Manuel López Obrador, should also come. And what countries in Africa will be sending in-person delegations? A lot of African leaders are sending pre-recorded videos. In fact, a majority of countries sending pre-recorded video messages are from the developing world, a lot of them in Africa. That includes President Paul Kagame of Rwanda and leaders from Egypt, Mozambique, the Central African Republic, and South Africa. But Nigeria's president, Muhammadu Buhari, will attend in person. Here's Nigerian ambassador Tijani Muhammad Bande on what demands leaders in Africa will likely have this year. For the developing world, two things. Either delegations might come to make the case as strongly as they can concerning access to vaccines and other support related to recovery, or they may choose not to come given the unfolding situation. There are differences in terms of vaccination, but in terms of the numbers affected, African countries are not doing badly. But the worry is without vaccinations, we'll get to a point where the worry uh, will be very clear. Uh, for now, it's just the speed because of the, the lack of access in terms of numbers. This is my understanding. We're also watching who will attend from countries whose recognized governments were recently deposed. Myanmar and Afghanistan are top of mind. What have you heard so far? Yes, there's Myanmar and Afghanistan, but there's also Guinea, which was the target of a coup d'etat this month. Regarding Afghanistan, the representative of Ashraf Ghani's government, who fled the country after the Taliban took control, is still representing the country in New York. The UN's Credential Committee will have the difficult task of deciding who gets to represent the country. Here's Volkan Boskir on this. A country has the right to nominate somebody. I mean, think about country X. So the president or foreign minister sends a letter and you consider it. So in this case, I don't know when there will be a government, when there will be a president, but if some a letter comes from Afghanistan, we can't say I don't like this government as the UN. As the president, I can say this, I don't like it, I, I like it, whatever. But I mean, UN is obliged to get this letter, and if there are two letters, the Credentials Committee will handle it. If there is a this agreement in the Credentials Committee it comes to the General Assembly. There will be a vote. In Afghanistan's case, there won't be two competing letters petitioning to represent the country because the previous government has fled. But Myanmar is more complicated. Myanmar has competing representatives since the junta seized power in February. But we now have some clarity. Foreign Policy magazine reported that the U.S. and China struck a deal that leaves the current ambassador in power under the condition that he doesn't make too many waves speaking out against the junta at Anga this year. And finally, are we going to hear from more women this year than last year? More is unlikely, but earlier, definitely. You probably remember that last year it took 52 speakers to hear from a woman. That's not going to happen this year. 
The first woman to speak will be on the first day, sixth on the schedule, and it's Zuzana Chaputova, the president of Slovakia. There are also more on September 22nd, including the recently elected president of Moldova and the outgoing president of Estonia. That's it for our show, but not for our UNGA coverage. Follow along on our website, passblue.com, or on Twitter for the latest updates on this year's events. This episode was co-produced by me, Casey Candela, and Stephanie Filion for Pass Blue, an independent women-led media site covering the United Nations and global affairs. Dulcie Leinbach is our editor, Anna Bianca Roach is our researcher, AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear. A lot happens at the UN beyond what we report in each episode of Unscripted, and Passblue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to Washington's new approach to the UN. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to passblue.com. Pass Blue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. To show your support, visit Pass Blue's website and click Donate. Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show, please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.